everyone, and welcome back to another episode of The Unknown. I hope that you guys are having a good Halloween. Um, I remember last week we were talking about my costume, and thankfully I didn't have to worry about my costume being bad, as some of my family members had told me, because I didn't even have the chance to go out this weekend or wear a costume. I actually was in Providence, Rhode Island for the weekend, which was my first time there, and it was absolutely beautiful. Um, I actually got offered my first job there, so I flew up and toured the property and kind of uh, just walked around and, and toured Providence to see if it was somewhere that I could see myself living, and I definitely can. So that was super exciting for me, but I didn't end up going out for Halloween, but I'd love to hear about the costumes that you guys wore. So if you want, let me know in uh, on the social medias, which as a reminder, the Instagram is at the unknown a podcast and the Twitter is at the unknown a pod. So, you know, post photos, tag me in it. Let me see what you guys wore. If you want to just type out what you wore. Um, but I'd love to hear what you guys dressed up as. Um, so also another thing that I wanted to input, um, my note taking process for this was a little bit difficult because uh, I found out a couple months ago that I have a torn labrum. But recently, they think that there's something else wrong. And in the last couple of days, I've actually lost feeling in my right arm and hand. So it was very difficult for me to write with, with the note-taking process. So if you hear me pause at all, it's me trying to read my poor handwriting. Um, but yeah, so and I'm also recording this in a sling, so not the best situation. But as always, I'm going to get this episode out for you guys, and I'm super excited for this one. So without further ado, let's dive in. And so today's episode is going to be on the disappearance of Paula Jean Weldon. And at the end of this, she is declared dead. However, there was no evidence found at all that, like, was saying that she was. So, it is, I, I, it is called the disappearance, but as I said, they did declare her dead. So, you'll see as we go through, you know, you'll form your own opinion about what you think happened. But at the end of this, she was declared dead. So, without further ado, Paula Jean Weldon was the eldest of four. And on December 1st, 1946, she finished a double shift working at the dining hall and she attended Bennington College. And it was known that she was a very good student, she was a very good worker, she worked a lot of shifts at the dining hall, she was just a good person all around. So she went back to her dorm, and she told her roommate, Elizabeth Johnson, at around 2.45pm that she was going to go out for a walk. And she's quoted as saying, I'm all through with studies, I'm taking a long walk. Now it is mentioned that she, at this time, she was in a depressive episode. Uh, many around her said that she was not in a good headspace, she was very depressed, she was so depressed, actually, that she didn't even go home for Thanksgiving because this was right around Thanksgiving. This was also reported as the last time that her roommate, Elizabeth, saw her alive. Now, no one didn't know where she went because all she said that she was going on a walk. She didn't specify where. But they surmised that it was a place called Long Trail. And this was a 273-mile long trail from Vermont to Massachusetts to Canada. So this was a very long trail that stretched over many, many states. Uh, but the trail was only a short distance from the college. It is interesting, though, because she was only noted as wearing a red parka, a fur-lined hoodie, jeans, and topsiders. So this is something that she couldn't walk a long time in December um, because, obviously, it's super, super cold there. So she was not dressed warm for a long walk. It was also mentioned that she left all of her belongings in her room except her gold Elgian wristwatch that had a black band 
that she was wearing. Uh, but she left behind all of her belongings. So, you know, she's not dressed warm. She left behind all of her belongings. She even left behind a check that she hadn't cashed yet from her parents. So this isn't necessarily pointing to that she was going to run away. Um, so another thing is that at the college, you had to sign out when you were leaving for a long period of time. And then when you returned, you had to make sure that you checked in with the guard to let them know that you got back. And she didn't do any of this. And this doesn't align with her character because, like it has been mentioned, she was a very good student. She was, you know, a hard worker. She worked on the college campus. She was a rule follower. She knew the rules. So if she would have known that she was going out for a long time, she would have signed out and then when returned, checked in with the guard to let them know that she had returned. So she was seen around 2.45 p.m. A local gas station owner around the college saw her walking near a gravel pit that was close to the entrance of the college, and this was around 2.45 p.m. Fifteen minutes later, a truck driver named Louie Knapp picked her up while she was hitchhiking on Route 67A, which was right near the college, and he dropped her off near Route 9, which was heading towards the Long Trail. She was then seen again at 4 p.m., by several different people in Bickford Hollow, which was near the trail. And a man named Ernie Whitman said that he had called out to her because about her coat and what she was wearing and had said, you know, oh, you're not really wearing something that is good for the weather to be going on a walk on the trail. And he said that she paid no attention to him and just began her hike. And so this was the last reported sighting of her alive. So her roommate Elizabeth waited till the next morning, the next day, to report that she was missing. And so when she did, the president of the college called uh, her mother, and the mother actually fainted when she heard the news. And then her father, Archibald Weldon, he actually flew out to the college in the area to search for her. So the search for her had a lot of people involved. She had the police, she had local residents, she had students, and she even had the Boy Scouts searching. And so based off of the information that they had been given, they went back to that gravel pit and bulldozed the entire thing, and they found nothing. They also searched the trail, and there were no traces found on the trail or even in the surrounding areas of her. So Mr. Weldon, he even raised $5,000 as a reward, and no one even tried to claim the reward, which, as we know and have we have talked about in the past, people love to come forward with false claims and they are always after money, so it is shocking that no one tried to come forward and claim the money with information that they had. So at first, authorities believed that she just got lost and died from exposure. However, there was no evidence to back this up. So again, they're just surmising that based off of the temperature and everything that they have found so far, that they think that she just got lost on the trail and just died from how cold it was. So this case was put out in the papers nationally and so people so many people started to report sightings of her in the east coast one of the biggest reporting cited was a waitress in fall river massachusetts she had claimed that she served a girl matching paula's description and she seemed very upset but after they further investigated this claim it turned out to not be her and it was a different person another person who was a train conductor claimed to see her in South Carolina, but this also led nowhere as well. So that's all the information that they really have pertaining to the case. So now we get into the theories of what people think happened. The first thing that they think happened is that it was a suicide because she was going through this depressive episode. 
But the parents denied this and, and said that they thought that the boyfriend had something to do with this. And the reason that they kind of really stuck, the parents stuck to this claim is because a psychic had apparently told them this. But the authorities, they didn't believe this. You know, they, they did not think that this was what happened. But the father, he was very insistent that they look into it because he didn't approve of this relationship. Now, there's not much information on the boyfriend, but it is said that the father didn't approve of the information and he was so insistent that they look into it. However, this actually led to a dispute between the father and all of the authorities since he was so aggressive in trying to get them to look into the boyfriend. Um, they, he actually created a horrible relationship between he, him and the authorities and law enforcement. So this is where an interesting confession comes in. Fred Gadet, a lumberjack who lived near the trail, confessed to authorities and said that he had information on her disappearance and knew where her remains were. However, a little bit after this, he took back his confession, saying that he just came forward and was saying all this because he was looking for attention. However, others were claiming that he was bragging to them on attacking and killing her. So, this is all that has to pertain to Theory 1, but I... I mean, I guess it does make sense that it could be a suicide because she was depressed. You know, she did not go home for Thanksgiving. You know, many many people around her were saying that, you know, she seemed very depressed. Um, but there's no claims to back this one up. The second theory is that people believe that her father was involved because apparently in the weeks leading up to this, they had gotten to a disagreement. And I guess that was one of the reasons why she didn't return home for Thanksgiving. And... Interestingly enough, he vanished for 36 hours during her search. Now, I know many different people handle this kind of situation differently, but I know if I was in that situation and my daughter was missing, I would not just vanish for 36 hours while we're trying to search for her. And then he disappeared again after that waitress claim. And both of these times, he never told anyone that he was leaving and he never told anyone where he was going. And... As a reminder, he was very vocal in his criticism with the law enforcement and all of the authorities. He even criticized Vermont at the time because they didn't have their own police force. So, you know, they were calling in extra help and backup for this case because they didn't have their own police force. So that's that's the second claim. And, you know, again, the father didn't approve of, of her relationship. So, I mean, this this could this could be a real theory. But again, these are all just theories, so they're not confirmed, and they're just taking what they know and trying to create something and figure out what happened. So the last theory is the Bennington Triangle, because this area was known as the Bennington Triangle because there was a lot of scary and creepy things that happened. There was a lot of Bigfoot sightings. There was alien sightings. People believed that there were serial killers in the area. And Paula was the second of several to go missing. So they call it the Bennington Triangle because it's like their own version of the Bermuda Triangle because all kinds of weird stuff happens with no explanations and no real, you know, evidence to back up what happened. And they also mention that there's a very unusual wind pattern in the area, and so they kind of contribute that as to maybe that is why some of these people go missing and why there's so much weird stuff happening. But like we had mentioned, she was eventually pronounced dead, but there was never anything found. There was no evidence that led to this. They just couldn't find her, so they just said, you know what, she, she must be dead. 
It was noted that she had three distinct scars on her body. One was on her left knee, one was on her left eyebrow, and she had a vaccine scar on her right thigh. So, again, you could take what you want with these theories, um, but like I said, they never found anything that was, you know, wrong with her, or excuse me, they never found any evidence that backed up any of these theories that claimed what happened to her. So they just didn't know where she was, and so they just pronounced her dead. But her case actually was what caused the Vermont police force to happen in July 1947. So after this, they were like, okay, we need to have a police force. So in July 1947, Vermont got their own police force. Interestingly enough, Paula's story has actually um, been contributed to an author named Shirley Jackson. She used Paula's story as inspiration to write a book called The Hangsman and another book called The Last Scene Wearing. Um, it's not directly about everything that happened, but it's, it's very similar to Paula's case, both of these stories. So this is the case of Paula Jean Weldon. Um, I don't really know what happened. Uh, I don't really know which theory that I agree with. It, it, they're all kind of very different. Um, but if you guys have an opinion or, or think that one of the theories is valid, again, let me know on social media. But, uh, yeah, so this was today's episode. Next episode is going to be a little bit different. It's going to have something to do with possibly witchcraft, but also a death. So make sure to tune in for next week's episode. And remember to follow the social medias, which, again, Instagram is at the unknown a podcast, and the Twitter is at the unknown a pod. But until next time, I'm your host, Peyton Schaefer, and this has been The Unknown.